Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number four, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get you a part of the show. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you get in touch with us as well. And we are on to playoff week here we call it week 19 if you really want to, but it's wild card weekend. It's going to be a wild weekend, and I'm going to navigate you through all of the games today. And I'm also going to touch on why it's different betting the playoffs. And I know a lot of people approach it very similar fashion, but there are unique differences when you're going out there and trying to bet the playoffs. This is a different kind of playoff year. There is no Aaron Rodgers for the first time in pretty much forever. There is no Russell Wilson in the first time in maybe forever. But Daniel Jones is there. Geno Smith is there. Brock Purdy's leading it on. So we have a very different look when we're talking about the playoffs when we're going into the playoffs this season. Last season, the higher seeds finished 5-1. and one. Okay, so you could kind of count on that. Well, wait a minute. In 2020, the higher seed was 2-4. and four. So there's not a correlation there when you look at that. Um, in fact, in six of last 14 playoff games last year, uh, they actually missed the playoffs. So we have a brand new crop of teams. We have a brand new look about teams. It is all for the taking. And everything this year seems brand new. Yeah, at the top, look, you got Mahomes, you got Allen, you got Burrow. Okay. But I don't think anybody can make a very convincing argument one way or the other that one of the, those three has a really upper hand. Look, Burrow just went there. Mahomes just won the MVP. But for two years, Josh Allen and the Bills have been the most dangerous team. So you have that. Over in the NFC, obviously Philly looks like the elite. But if Philly, I look, coming from sportsbook managers, if Philly and San Francisco met up on a neutral field, San Fran's the favorite. San Fran's the favorite. Now, they won't. They'll meet up in Philly. Guess what? Depending on how the playoffs go this weekend, San Fran might be the favorite. Okay. So you you look at those two as kind of colliding. Anybody going out there and feeling comfortable betting against Tom Brady? Do you feel comfortable uh, betting on the Dallas Cowboys? Do, do you feel that? Well, they're still three-point favorites. So we have a lot to break down. Before we go into the teams that will play this weekend and the games that will play, I want to just touch on a couple of things about the Chiefs and the Eagles because they are both number one seeds, and in this league, the number one seed matters. It matters a lot, okay? We are looking at the wild card, and you go, okay, well, wild card weekend's going to be fun. This is going to be great, yes. But this is a time where a lot of people start jumping onto futures plays, and people that are jumping onto futures plays right now, you're looking for that advantage. You're looking to grab that team, and you can do it before we have the eye test of what's going on in the playoffs. All of the wild card teams are going to get a futures bump here. They're all going to get a bump up in the, on the futures market if they look really good. Look, if San Francisco goes out there, and they're 10-point favorites in the NFC, uh, if San Francisco goes out there and they beat Seattle 40 to nothing, you know, I mean, you know, blow them out of the water, or if Buffalo does the same, all of a sudden, that's it. Their futures numbers are going to go skyrocketing. So you almost want to kind of take advantage now if you don't like one of those seeds. But I, the warning of the number one seed is still out there. Neither one of these teams will play this week, which means it's another week to get healthy, of course. But it's also another week where the public didn't get to watch them play. 
And I always find that there is a little bit of a pullback from the number one seed. If, if the season ended and they had to play immediately, people would be all over Philly and Kansas City. Their body of work certainly shows that. But there is a little pullback because you didn't watch them right away. You didn't see them right away. So in 1975, the NFL switched how they did seedings in the playoffs. They also just readjusted that a couple of years ago, right? Uh, we have seen different playoff formats, uh, different things. This year, there's only one number one seed. There's only one team that gets a bye week, sure. But none of that has changed the fact that getting the number one overall seed is a massive advantage. Since 1976, the AFC or the NFC has won the Super Bowl, the number one seed, 25 times. That's out of 48 tries in the Super Bowl. 28 times. 16 in the NFC. In fact, the number two seed, who used to get a bye, okay, actually adds 10 more Super Bowls. So if you look at the number one seed and the number two seed, a team that gets a bye week has won the Super Bowl 35 out of 48 times. That did not happen last year. And you say, well, maybe, maybe this new makeup is different. Maybe that's what it is. Look, I would go on to argue that there isn't the parity in the NFL that everybody seems to think that there is. You know, look, comparing it to college football, yeah, well, there's no parity there at all. But the NFL likes to preach parity and likes to scream about parity. There's parity in Major League Baseball where you have the same sort of teams every year get making the playoffs, but the champions seemingly are different every year. There's parity in college basketball, where you have the Blue Bloods kind of all making the Sweet 16. You sort of know. But those final four teams, they shuffle. They mix around. There's not a lot of parity in the NBA. In the NHL, yeah, there's plenty of parity. New champion all the time, new playoff teams. In the NFL, there are always new playoff teams, and they stack the schedule to make sure of that. But not new, new not, not champions. When you're talking about parity, the number one seeds have ruled the day. And it's not just the number one seeds. The team that has the bye week has absolutely ruled the day. Now, it's a little bit different in the AFC this year. If Kansas City has to go to a neutral field and play that game, yeah, all of that, that could take away some of this advantage. But do not discount Kansas City and Philadelphia that are both sitting at home right now and both sitting at home with a major advantage in their pocket. And that major advantage is a bye week. It's to get healthy. Do not breeze over the fact that yes, that is a massive, massive advantage for both of these teams. Both of these teams have been relatively healthy. I mean, obviously, Jalen Hurts' uh, injury for Philadelphia, but but he did come back last week, so it's not like he needs the bye week to all of a sudden get healthy, as maybe a Tampa Bay does. But the Philadelphia offensive line is banged up, so that continuity can help. And in Kansas City, yeah, you don't have any big name. Look, you don't have the Mahomes uh, even on the other side, you don't have the Bolton. You don't have these big names, but there are dings. There are guys that are hurting a little bit that absolutely can come out and benefit, especially an older team like Kansas City can benefit from the time off. So I want to throw that out there. Those that are looking at the futures plays, those are going out there and, and taking a stab at, well, I want to I want to reset the deck. I want to go out there and take a future play. Well, don't forget the number ones. And if you're going to take a future play after this weekend, after the eye test, understand that the public is doing the same thing that you are. The public is going to overreact to what they see this weekend and forget, oh, well, by the way, I didn't see the Chiefs this weekend. I didn't see Mahomes. I didn't see Jalen Hurts. So maybe that'll be a little bit of a pullback. We've seen that happen in recent years where there is a sort of a pullback on the teams that were sitting home idle. All right, let's get into the games themselves. Saturday games, San Francisco, Seattle. It is the most uh, lopsided spread right now. This opened up where San Francisco was about a nine-point favorite. It has gone up to 11.5 in some spots. Now, I have seen a little bit of pullback back to 11. Uh, but San Francisco, Seattle, there are just rules that will be broken here. There will be rules that will be broken by anybody that backs San Francisco in this spot. Let's take the San Francisco 49ers out of the equation for the moment, okay? Let's take the name off of their jerseys and just have the conversation about who San Francisco really is. The San Francisco 49ers are going to play playing a division rival, a potential Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning head coach, a guy that up until week 10 or 11 was in the top five in the MVP conversation at quarterback, and they're going to be laying double digits 
with a third-string, almost undrafted quarterback making less than 10 starts this year. That is a recipe for disaster if you're on the Niners. That is a recipe to jump all over Seattle. I'm getting double digits in a division rivalry game. I have a Super Bowl-winning coach. I have a quarterback that was playing at an MVP level against a Mr. Irrelevant. A Mr. Irrelevant with very few starts that's making his play first playoff appearance. Are you kidding me? Are you joking? You should jump all over Seattle. But wait. Now we have to put San Francisco and the jerseys back on. And we have to not look at them just as a piece of paper, just as the standard. We got to look at San Francisco and what they have done. Because Brock Purdy is not just a random Mr. Irrelevant. You know, that Mr. Irrelevant, it's a fun thing. It's a fun name. But look, the guy was drafted. He was drafted late, but he was drafted, okay? He has proven his way. And he's fitting in an offense that is designed for his skill set. When we evaluate draft possibilities and draft guys every single year, and I got my start in this business. I was 19 years old. I was in charge of putting together the drafts. Okay, I did Manning against Leaf. I was in charge of talking about drafting. I was the draft guy. Okay, I thought I was Mel Kuyper at 19 years old. I was that guy. That's who I was. And what I consistently learned over the years as I continued to be the draft guy, and and I scream it every weekend here uh, on my Fox show, that any time that you're talking about the draft, it's fit for the team. You can give me an evaluation of two quarterbacks, and I go, well, does he fit the system? Does he fit the team? The evaluation process. I'm not saying that Ryan Leaf would ever be better than Peyton Manning. No, no, no. But Peyton Manning's uh, team, what they built around him, with James and Harrison and all that, go back to even to that, as opposed to what Ryan Leaf was handed and coaching staff, all of that matters. So when I hear a guy like Brock Purdy coming out of nowhere and you go, well, what if Brock Purdy got drafted earlier? What if Brock Purdy went to a quarterback-starved team like the New York Jets? You think Brock Purdy would be starting a playoff game? I don't think so. What if Brock Purdy would have landed uh, with you know a, a team like the Raiders? They wouldn't have put Devontae Adams around him, right? So would that have had the success? No, of course not. Brock Purdy is designed for this offense. Shanahan has designed the offense around his strengths, but Brock Purdy was the guy for this offense. There's a reason why Jimmy G had some minimal success here. I don't think him and Shannon ever really clicked. Uh, they drafted Trey Lance, and I was skeptical. I'm a guy that watched Trey Lance his entire career. I was skeptical. I don't know if that skill set was good for exactly what he was going to be able to do, and, and would Shanahan be able to adjust to that? We've watched guys be able to adjust. Harbaugh and Baltimore adjusted his entire offense and his entire team to fit who Lamar Jackson was, but there was a transition period. So we've watched guys have to be adjusting, have to be thrown into the mix. We watched Cam Newton try to pick up a New England offense. Did he have moments of brilliance? Sure. Was he a good fit in that situation? Absolutely not. How about Russell Wilson in Denver this year? Certain guys just don't work, and certain guys absolutely click. Drew Brees and Sean Payton were a match made in heaven. Well, Brock Purdy might be that match made in heaven for San Francisco. The Niners have won 10 games in a row collectively as a team. They've won five games in a row with Brock Purdy. One of those wins, oh, by the way, was against the Seahawks. And I think that that matters. I think it matters that, yes, this is a rivalry. Yes, this is a division game. Yes, this is Brock Purdy getting his first start in the playoffs. But it's a team that he's familiar with. Even if he wasn't playing, he still was running the scout team. He still was watching film. That matters. I think it's an advantage to San Francisco that Brock Purdy is playing a division game because he is scouted. He's been in on team meetings for this team twice this year. They played them once, right? Brock Purdy, you look at this, through five starts, San Francisco's offense has absolutely exploded. They're averaging 34 points per game. San Francisco has a plus nine turnover differential during those five starts. George Kittle has seven touchdown receptions over the last four weeks. By the way, if you like a prop play, I always do. George Kittle's great. But it all is all really Christian McCaffrey. At least that's the thought process here. Since arriving in San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey has 159 carries, 746 yards, two touchdowns. 
He also has 52 catches for 464 yards and four touchdowns. Guys, let me do the quick math on that. Okay, just just the quick math on that. Over 200 touches since he joined San Francisco. 200 touches, almost 1,200 yards, and six touchdowns just by joining San Francisco in an offense that is absolutely designed to make sure that you take the pressure off of Brock Purdy. That's what he's done. Kyle Shanahan, by the way, has coached in six playoff games. Uh, They've allowed 18 points per game. Their defense is the best defense in the league. They have the number one run defense in the league. Nick Bosa is going to win Defensive Player of the Year, which I gave you guys right here on the year before the year began. The 49ers ranked number one overall yards uh, per game allowed, number one in scoring yards. They're tied with the Patriots for the most takeaways. They are relentless, relentless. On the other side, Seattle, they have the 30th ranked run defense. San Francisco has the ninth ranked ground game. I think that they're going to run all over. Seahawks have also gone three and five since week 10. Okay, you look at it, San Francisco putting up 38 points in a game against them. They actually have five 30-point games in six games with Brock Purdy at quarterback. Like I said, it's all San Francisco. But there are a few things that you can look at. You can look at the play of Geno Smith. And Geno Smith, when everyone was healthy, and that's a caveat there. I mean, Metcalf was banged up. Lockett missed some time during this this bad 3-5 and five stretch. But they have won two in a row as people start to get healthy. Walker was banged up. Well, he's back healthy. And the Seahawks have won two straight. They won must-win games. They've been in playoff mode for a while now. They've been in that absolute playoff mindset for a while now. And while you are in a position where you do have problems defensively, you do have issues defensively if you're the Seahawks against the run, you're also in a position here where you know San Francisco doesn't really want to put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands. Yeah, maybe get him a little experience, throwing the ball downfield is one thing, but actually putting the ball in his hands to try to win a playoff game, totally different animal. I don't see that happening, so they are able to load the box. The difference in this game for me might be Jordan Brooks in the absence. He was the captain of this defense, the best player on this defense by far, star middle linebacker, could really help out in the run game or against the run game. Tore his ACL last week. He's out not only for this year, but going to miss a giant chunk of next year as well. That's demoralizing for a team that needs every single thing to go its way. And every single thing just isn't going their way or just hasn't gone their way. So I look at this game and I go, okay, there's very little doubt in my mind that San Francisco is going to move on. I think if you are are looking at a money line play, it's tough to lay six to one, six fifty to one, whatever it might be. Um, You know, you're going to lay six hundred bucks to win a hundred dollars. You're going to lay twelve hundred dollars to win two hundred bucks. It's a large number, but San Francisco is at home and they should crush them. But it's a spread that I want to talk about because I see. A lot of movement on this spread, which means people are either fully convinced and they're loving Seattle plus the points in the division matchup against the rookie quarterback. Like I said, the numbers are there. But there's also back movement on this team because on this San Francisco team because people are going, yeah, they're the Super Bowl champions. That's how good they are. We have watched guys ascend in this league from nothing. And before you just throw out Tom Brady, what about Kurt Warner? Right? I mean, Kurt Warner, Super Bowl champion, came onto the scene. He had a Brock Purdy type of debut. You can't look at this as a one-off. There are times where evaluators are wrong and guys fit the system. I'm talking about guy fitting the system. Greatest show on turf, Mike Martz and Kurt Warner were an absolute fit. I think that there's only one way really to bet this game, and that is San Francisco. Now, you can sit back and have the argument with Seattle and talk me out of betting San Francisco. But you can't get me to bet on San Francisco. There's no way that I think that Seattle wins this game. So it would all come down to can they play close? Can they play tight? Are they within double digits? Double digit favorites in the NFL forever. It's a terrible bet. And you will not see me making a bet of a double digit favorite here in week one. I'm not taking San Fran minus uh, you know, 10, 11, whatever it might be. I'm not taking it. But there's only one choice to make, would be San Francisco. I think it's a tough game to handicap. I think the, the, the line is right there. If the line was nine, like it got down in the Buffalo game, probably be on San Fran. 
But once the line crosses that 10, and now it's creeping into the 11, 11 and a half even at times, we might get some late money that pushes it even higher. It just becomes dangerous because you can control a game, you can absolutely beat down an opponent and still only win the game by 10 points. Right? I mean, you, you can absolutely do that. 24-14, it, 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 24-7 and then a late touchdown. Boom, you're backdoored. 27-10 is a, is a general beatdown controlling the game. Late touchdown, boom, 27-17, final score because San Fran doesn't care and they're resting their players for the last five minutes of the game. I Absolutely, I could see that. And Pete Carroll is the kind of guy that would want to get that you know touchdown to, for a building block for a guy like a Metcalf or a Lockett or a Geno Smith or a Walker looking at next year. So the division rivalry doesn't bother me in this spot because of Brock Purdy. But laying the points does. I think San Francisco wins. I think they advance. I think they generally own this game. It wouldn't shock me to see Seattle not get over 10 points. But the only play I see is San Francisco. And I don't love laying double digits, especially in the playoffs, especially in division, especially in the NFL. All right, guys, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. I will tell you some of the plays that I do like as we go over the rest of the games. All that and more right after this right here on Wagering Week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on what are the odds? What are the odds? What are the odds brings us to exactly what we were just talking about. How about those Super Bowl odds? Oh, right now it stands. Kansas City is plus 330, giving a lot of love to the number one overall seed in the AFC. Buffalo comes in at plus 420. Philadelphia's leading the NFC way at 5-1. to one. But as I mentioned, San Francisco is right there at 5-1 to one as well. Cincinnati 7-1. to one. Dallas is 13-1. to one. Los Angeles Chargers 21-1. to one. Tampa Bay's 28-1. to one. Minnesota's 30-1. to one. The Ravens are 44-1. to one. Jacksonville 48-1. to one. The Giants 55-1. to one. Miami 65-1. to one. And the Seahawks are 85 to one. That is what are the odds? And look, this is where where it stands right now. Like I just said to you, San Francisco is right on Philly's tail, and with an impressive showing and a good playoff push here, I'd be surprised if San Francisco wasn't the favorite when they both met up. It's going to be an interesting watch. All right, let's get back to Saturday Saturday night game, Jaguars Chargers. This is my favorite game on the board. And when the line opened up, I was on the air live, and I said, guys, it's going to continue to go up. The line is going to continue to rise because everybody loves the Chargers. And people like the Chargers for a myriad of reasons. Number one, Justin Herbert's a fun guy to root for. Number two, you look at just the talent on that team. It it is enormous, okay? Their talent is absolutely astoundingly enormous. You also have to take a peek, and you have to look at the Jacksonville Jaguars on the other side being the Jaguars, right? I mean, the Jaguars are just the flat-out, they are the Jaguars, which means that people just don't trust them inherently, most likely, didn't watch how they ended the season and what Trevor Lawrence has done. The Chargers opened up as a a 1.5 or a 2-point favorite. It quickly shot up to 2.5, and and now it's settled back down at about 2, 2 2.5. I expected that to happen. The money line is the interesting watch, though, because the money line opened up at minus 120, and now it's up to 135 in places like WinBet. It's up to 130 in places like PointsBet. So the money line has increased, even if the spread hasn't overly. I don't know if we get to a three. I was hoping to get to a three. I don't know if we get to a three, but I think people are vastly underrating this Jacksonville Jaguars team and overrating Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Are all of the elements there for the Chargers to absolutely go out there and win this game? Yeah, of course they are. Okay, I I mean, I can't overlook the talent disparity here. The talent is massive on the Chargers side, but it has been for two years. And Justin Herbert is a 500 quarterback. As a matter of fact, he's under 500. Against the spread, he's absolutely terrible. 
against the spread as a favorite, it's even worse. We've gone over the numbers a couple of times this year. So you look at that and you go, okay, the public also loves the Chargers. They're going on the road. It's a long trip. And this Jacksonville team is not the Jacksonville team that we have watched throughout most of the year. Over the last month and a half or two months, they have really turned into a different kind of team. The Jaguars have won five in a row. Okay, they took on Tennessee in a winner play or go home playoff game, basically. And yeah, they won that game. They also absolutely blew the doors off of the Chargers in Los Angeles, 38 to 10 in L.A. in that game. And this is before the Jaguars were playing their crispest. Lawrence against Herbert is going to be the story. And Herbert is has for two years been the anointed one. He's going to be the next great. People are comparing him up against uh, Patrick Mahomes. And people are seemingly forgetting how dominant Trevor Lawrence was in college and coming out of college. Exactly who he was. Look, Trevor Lawrence is starting to show us that. Over the Jacksonville Jaguars have won um, six of the last seven games. So it's been about two months that they've been playing really well. During those six of seven wins, Trevor Lawrence has had three 300-yard-plus passing outings, three or more touchdown throws in those games. Travis Etienne has a couple of 100-yard rushing performances as they get the offensive running style going. On defense, the defense, the last three opponents' offenses have averaged seven points per game. And you look at this Los Angeles team, and you go, okay, look, they're going to be able to throw all day on Jacksonville. It is, L.A. still has the fifth-ranked passing attack, and that's without Allen being out for a while and Mike Williams being out for a while. By the way, Mike Williams, who suffered back spasms, was carted off the field, but he is expected to be available. And they're going up against Jacksonville's 27th-ranked pass defense. But I can't overlook one thing. And the thing I can't overlook, while we look at Justin Herbert, while we talk about Trevor Lawrence, yeah, it's going to be a lot about the quarterbacks, obviously. It's going to always be about the quarterbacks. But I can't overlook the fact that the Chargers cannot stop the run at all. At all. For much of the year, going into about week 13, the Chargers were in a position where they were going to set the record. The record, since we're talking about going back to 1960, set the record for most yards per carry allowed. They allow, which, by the way, they finished obviously dead last in the league this year. They are allow 5.4 yards per carry. Five yards, five and a half yards per carry, guys. Five and a half yards per carry. Now, they they rank 27th overall because a lot of teams weren't running on them. Right? They are a decent team. But we're talking about 5.4. Now, you can talk about Joey Bosa coming back, okay? But Joey Bosa really isn't the guy that's going to stop the run. This is a Travis Etienne game. This is a Travis Etienne conversation. This is all about what they can do there. I think Lawrence will be fine, okay? Trevor Lawrence should be fine. He should be a guy that you're okay with. I get it. But Trevor Lawrence isn't really the answer here. And in reality, neither is Justin Herbert. I mean, we know Herbert's going to be fine. I'm not worried about uh, Lawrence. I'm not worried about Justin Herbert. But I certainly, if I'm the Chargers, am worried about what Travis Etienne can do to my defense. And uh, Travis Etienne has been playing a lot better. They're going to have to run the ball effectively to make this work. And then you look at the other side and you go, well, the Chargers are going to be able to pass all day. But wouldn't you play everybody back and dare the Chargers to run the ball? Because as good as Austin Eckler is, and he might be maybe the best running back in the league, most of what he does is in the short passing game as opposed to running the ball. They're going to have to run the ball effectively. So the Chargers are in a position where they are on the road. The Chargers are in a position where they actually have the, the onus upon them to win. Right? I mean, you look at Jacksonville. If Jacksonville doesn't win and they just they finish the season, they close the book after the disaster that Urban Meyer brought last year. They close the book and they go, we won the division and that's it. Everyone's going to go, great season by Jacksonville. If the Chargers fail, there's conversations that Brandon Staley might not have a job. Sean Payton has been mentioned there. Jim Harbaugh has been mentioned there. I have had conversations uh, with with for for months now, with people in the industry that think that even if Brandon Staley wins this game, his job might be in jeopardy because of the underperformance of the Chargers. So they have all the pressure on them. They're on the road and laying points, and their defense simply cannot stop the run. It's a bad formula to go bet on. Then you go a little step further, and I mentioned the Brandon Staley situation. How about the coaching disparity? Doug Peterson, like him or not, and I know he's got a lot of detractors out there, 
He's a far superior coach than Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley is a coach that, yes, his job might be on the line. But it's also, we've watched in-game problems. We've watched X's and O's issues. We've watched Brandon Staley kind of fumble around as a head coach for years now. And nothing exemplified that more than playing his starters in a meaningless game in the last week of the season. And to take that a little further, not only did he play his starters far too much, one of his starters got hurt in Mike Williams. You don't think the team saw that? You don't think that people are looking at that? Yeah, absolutely. And then to take it a step further, he went to the podium and he basically didn't say, hey, you know what, I I, I screwed up. No. Well, it's, he said, oh, it's really hard to find starters. And, you know, we're dealing with limited rosters. Well, Brian Dable was able to do it. Brian Dable was able to bench Saquon Barkley. Brian Dable was able to bench Daniel Jones. Brian Dable was able to do it and actually stay competitive. But Brian Dable was able to do it. Why couldn't you do it? So I look at Doug Peterson, who took over a dumpster fire of a franchise, a dumpster fire of a head coaching job with Urban Meyer, and has absolutely turned this team around. It's no shock to me that Jacksonville's playing a lot better in the second half of the season than the first, because Doug Peterson had to come in and undo everything Urban Meyer did. So if you're somebody in a betting world that puts a lot of credit on coaching, this is a, a no-brainer. The Jacksonville coaching staff and Doug Peterson is far superior than Brandon Staley. This is a, it's a joke to think otherwise. So how much do you put into that? I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. I am pumped up for it. For me, personally, I, I, I love these games. I love games with two ascending young quarterbacks and two ascending young teams. I think Jacksonville is going to be very good for a long time. And I think the Chargers have the you know certainly the talent and the leadership um, in their quarterback position to be really good for a long time. I do worry about the coach. And there's no way you get me betting the Chargers here because I worry about the coach. Bills, Dolphins as we move to Sunday. The question all week long was going to be, is it Tua? Is it Bridgewater? Is it Skylar Thompson? I will tell you this. Forget mentioning the spread right now. With Tua going to Buffalo with the emotional just ride that the Buffalo Bills have been on and at home at Orchard Park and the way that Buffalo has been playing with the Bills as healthy as they were all year right now. I mean, a lot of the conversation all year was just get to the playoffs and eventually we'll get healthy. Well, they're getting healthy. With Tua up against that, I would have had the spread more than a touchdown. With a healthy Tua, I would have had the spread Seven and a half. And, and I probably would have been taking Buffalo at seven or under. Because I think Buffalo is that much better. With Teddy Covers, Teddy Bridgewater in there. If it was Teddy Bridgewater, a healthy Teddy Bridgewater. I think the line jumps up to nine or ten. I think Bridgewater can do some effective things. But overall, I still think Buffalo is better. Now you have Skylar Thompson in there. And the spread has gone back. This opened up as a 11-point spread. It's been brought back down to nine. At some spots. People, 90% of the public is on Buffalo. But everyone's loving Miami. Or the big money's coming on Miami. But the line has gone that way. Look, I just have no confidence in Skylar Thompson at all. And I have full confidence in the Buffalo Bills. Skylar Thompson has a 57.1 completion percentage this year. That's atrocious. Now, these two teams did play close games, right? Uh, Miami won 21-19 earlier on in the season. In a game that Buffalo dominated. Okay. Uh, but somehow Miami won 21-19, a game that Buffalo kept the ball. It, 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 I don't know how they won that game, and I watched it. And then the Bills won 32-29 in a game that Miami probably should have won. So I get the, the fact, here we go again, laying big money against a divisional opponent is always an issue. I understand it gets people scared. But this is Skylar Thompson, guys. And Buffalo's in Orchard Park. Orchard Park is going to be absolutely electric. You have the Hamlin situation still hanging over this team, but now it has turned into heavy hearts and problematic and um, them not being able to get the, the, the sleep, obviously, that you think and it, it affecting their mindset to optimism. Now they're energized. DeMar's tweeting out. He's sending video packages. They are now in a position where he has made people embrace the Buffalo Bills. This is a new set, and now they're going to Orchard Park where they're 7-1 and one at home this season. Right? Josh Allen, by the way, loves playing this Dolphins defense. Now, I know that the Dolphins defense looked good last week, 
But again, that was against, you know, I, I mean, just a, a complete disaster. Uh, just a disaster offense of the Jets. Josh Allen has averaged 352 passing yards, seven touchdowns, zero interceptions in the two meetings against the Dolphins this year. Like I said, he was he was absolutely dominating game one, even though they lost. Allen, 352, seven touchdowns, no picks against the Dolphins defense this year. Don't give me the old adage, it's hard to beat a team three times. No, it's not. Actually, no. Actually, that's completely false. Buffalo, by the way, they are balanced, and that is why they're so dangerous. They are the only team in the postseason to average 250 passing yards and more than 125 rushing yards during the regular year. It means you don't know what they're going to attack you. This might be a Cook game. This might be a Singletary game. They may let go Josh Allen go crazy. They may run him around the corner. I mean, you, you can look at that. As a matter of fact, the Bills with the Eagles, but the Bills are the only AFC team and the Eagles are the only NFC team to have a top 10 passing yards and top 10 rushing yards per game. The balance is enormous for this team. And you can't overlook that. You can't think that that's not going to be a factor here. Minnesota Giants, the game that is is just a mindset kind of game. The Minnesota Vikings are 13-4. and four. They're only a three-point favorite at home against the Giants who are 9-7-1. and one. All year long, what we've heard about Minnesota, and you could hear this from the betting people, you could hear this from the talking heads in the media, all we've heard about Minnesota is that they are fraudulent 13-4. and four. They are a fraudulent division winner. They, they are lucky. They're not as good as we think. And all we heard from the Giants is, well, they're the team you don't want to play. That's the team that's dangerous in the playoffs. Nobody wants to take on Brian Dable. That has been pounded into betters' heads, which is why this line is only three. The sports books anticipate a lot of people coming in on the Giants. A lot of people liking what they've seen in the Giants. Daniel Jones had 700 yards rushing this year. Saquon Barkley looked really good. Brian Dable has proven himself absolutely as, as one of the best head coaches. In the middle of that line, Leonard Williams is great, and Dexter is fantastic. He's going to the, probably the All-Pro team. So you look at the Giants, and you go, there's a lot to like here. But let's not just breeze over the fact that Minnesota won 13 games. Yes, I know some of them were a little touch and go. All right, let's be honest. Almost all of them. 11 games are decided by eight points or less. Okay? They did get absolutely their doors blown off by Dallas and Green Bay. Right? So we know that. The Vikings have 13 wins, but they had a negative point differential of minus three. Before the year, I gave you guys the Minnesota Vikings to go over their team total. Over, we cashed that with ease, but a lot of that was because of their weak schedule, which is showing up here. The Giants, by the way, they started all, they rested all their starters in week 18. Uh, yet they still played really close with the Eagles, who needed the game. They only lost by six. And and they lost by six with a backup at every key position because they are the gritty, tough Giants. When these two teams met, the Vikings won 27-24 on Christmas Eve. It was one of those type of games. Saquon Barkley had 133 total yards and a touchdown. The Giants are 5-1 and one when Barkley gets 20 or more carries. So you, you expect this to be a Barkley, Barkley, Barkley game. But here's the thing. There are problems with the Giants. You know, you could talk about Jones completing 71% of his passes the last two starts. Jones had the running ability, Saquon Barkley. I, I gave you a lot of positives for the Giants. But you, you also have this. The Giants are 2-7 and seven against teams with a winning record. The Giants cleaned up on a bad schedule as well. So everybody's pointing to Minnesota cleaning up on a bad schedule. Well, the Giants cleaned up on a bad schedule as well. And the Giants have the 28th ranked run defense in the league. They cannot stop the run, and they don't beat winning teams. That's just the New York Giants. I, I know everybody's loving the Giants, but that's the Giants. Now, Kirk Cousins, you could talk to me. He's 1-3 in the playoffs. Right, this is his first start for the Vikings, though at home. So I'm not getting crazy about that. I'm not getting crazy. Justin Jefferson in the first meeting, 12 catches, 133 yards. There's not going to be slowing him down. So we we know that. But again, there's problems with the Vikings. Vikings defense, league scoring is 31st ranked scoring unit. I mean, they're they're bad. So this is a game where I I I don't want to touch because the narratives aren't really the realities. The narratives are the Vikings were lucky to get to 13 wins. Yes, they had 11 one-score games, but they won those games. They won them. 
Yes, they beat the Giants in the first meeting. You know, uh, well, you know, it's hard to be a team twice. No, it's not. And the Vikings are at home. And, oh, by the way, Buckley went off in that game. I would expect the Vikings to completely stack the deck. I know the Vikings have a bad defense, but a lot of their bad defense comes by the passing game, not the running game. And then on the other side, we're going to sit back and we're going to evaluate Kirk Cousins in this spot because Kirk Cousins, we know, when the lights are the brightest, Kirk Cousins shrinks or so that that is exactly what his career says. I get it. And Justin Jefferson is going to be the highlight because Jeff, Justin Jefferson is probably Offensive Player of the Year. He is the best that you have. I get all that. What it comes down to is this is a Dalvin Cook game. I just told you that the Giants' interior is a lot better when Leonard Williams is healthy and Dexter Lawrence is there. They are good, but they are better at getting after the pass rusher. Dalvin Cook can run wild here. And if Dalvin Cook has the kind of success in the middle, that I think he can have. This This could be one of those rare Viking blowouts. Now, I don't think it is. I think Brian Dable is a fantastic coach. I think Saquon Barkley will have enough running room and Daniel Jones will confuse this team to make it a close game. But I want to warn people that are absolutely backing the truck up on the New York Giants here and people are going crazy for the Giants. This is still a 13-win Viking team. This is still a Vikings team that can score at will in multiple different ways. They have much better skill position players across the field. They have the best offensive player of the year outside of a quarterback in Justin Jefferson. They have a lot going for them. I'm not just writing the Vikings off. While I think the line is accurate, I think the Giants can play close. I'm not writing the Vikings off like other people are. Now, are we talking about Vikings in the Super Bowl? I'm writing that off right away. You know, that's down the road. That's in the future. Now let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the the future. future. All right, guys, let's go bet to the future. And Georgia is the champions of college football, but we could look all of a sudden and see Georgia at the top of the 2023-2024 NCAA college football FBS championship odds. They are three to one to lead the way. Alabama is six to one sitting on the desk listening uh, during the championship that Georgia has owned college football. That should motivate a six and six to one odds. Alabama team, Ohio state, seven to one, Michigan, eight to one, USC, 12 to one, Clemson, 16 to one, Florida state comes in at 21 as does Texas and Penn state, LSU, Tennessee, all 20 to one as well. Notre Dame and Oregon and Washington rounded all out at 30 to one. That is bet to the future. Yeah. Congratulations to Georgia out there. Uh, it was a, a game where I gave out to my members the, the over team total. I had no worries about that. I thought TCU would play a lot better. I think we all did. You look at next year, some interesting teams here. Um, I think Notre Dame at 30 to 1 could be interesting just because I'm a big Hartman fan. I think that could be an interesting team. You could never count out Oregon at 30 to 1, Florida State 20 to 1, and Clemson 16 to 1. That could be intriguing because you know that they're going to be kind of on a collision course. At each other. All right, let's go into the final two games here. And they are the primetime games. Cincinnati, Baltimore, Sunday night. Word is, as of Thursday, Lamar Jackson was not going to play. Okay, he's not practicing. So, can he play? Maybe. But it doesn't look like it. So, we have to go about this as if he's not playing. The thing is, is that Tyler Huntley wasn't playing either. So if this is Anthony Brown, now the line is Cincinnati minus seven, seven and a half. If this is Anthony Brown, this could go up to 10. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite bets of the postseason was going to be the Baltimore Ravens, and I am completely off of the game. Do I believe that the Baltimore Ravens can uh, you know, hang tough a little bit? Yeah, maybe. J.K. Dobbins will come back healthy. You know, They gave him off last week. You could run the ball effectively. But if it's, look, if, if it's Lamar Jackson, I'd be all over Baltimore. All over Baltimore. If it was Tyler Huntley, I would probably take Baltimore plus the points. But I can't go into this with a rookie quarterback, uh, well, a, a young quarterback, in this spot. I can't do it. Now, look, they did play close games, right? 27-16 with this, the, the same exact guy that's going to be quarterbacking. They only lost by 11 in a game that Baltimore kind of mailed in. There was no Mark Andrews. There was no J.K. Dobbins. And Baltimore did win the earlier matchup, 1917. All of it 
is because of the defense. Right now, Cincinnati hasn't lost since Halloween, and Cincinnati's defense is very good. They're allowing under 20 points per game over their eight-game winning streak. That That's absolutely true. You look at Cincinnati, and people are all over Cincinnati. People are loving Cincinnati. What are they they're doing? They're going back to the Super Bowl. That is the narrative that everyone's seemingly talking about. But, guys, the Ravens' defense has been spectacular. Not good, spectacular since Roquan Smith has jumped on board. Since they made the trade with Roquan Smith, and that, and that changed the entire trajectory of, of their season just from a defensive standpoint. So since they've traded for Roquan Smith before and the, before the trade with Smith, they were 20th in points per game after second. They were 24th in yards per game after second. Total QBR, 22nd after sixth. Yards per rush, 14th after third. The Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, has also had some problems here. He is, in two games, they have held Joe Burrow in check. 216 passing yards in two meetings is his average. So if there's one thing that I'm kind of leaning towards, it would be the under because I do believe in the Baltimore defense. I think the Baltimore defense is for real. I think Baltimore's defense can keep Cincinnati you know, kind of in check. As a matter of fact, going into that last game against Cincinnati where Baltimore kind of didn't care about it, they were allowing 12 points per game in five games without Lamar Jackson. The problem is they were scoring 11 points per game in five games without Lamar Jackson. And then finally, the Monday night game. And I love that they're giving a Monday night game. I do. I'm pumped up that they are giving us a Monday night playoff game. It's a cool situation. I, I, I and and there was there was no doubt who it was going to be, right? I, I kind of would have liked it to be on display Herbert against uh, Lawrence, but I knew that was never going to happen. Once Dallas got in, it was going to be Dallas against anybody because that's the TV ratings. And then once Brady got in, are you kidding me? Dallas against Brady. The executives at ESPN and ABC, you can actually see the drool on their shirts today, right? I mean, you could see, ah, oh, this is going to be the greatest matchup. And, and they absolutely love it. But are they getting the two best teams? No. Dallas is 12-5. and five. They looked embarrassingly bad against Washington. In a game that Dallas sort of needed, Washington played Sam Howell, who ran and threw all over them in a 26-6 win. Dak Prescott looked absolutely horrendous. The, by the way, the Washington Commanders, who were a run-first team, were playing without their starting running back at Antonio Gibson, their starting running back at Brian Robinson, playing with a third stringer. I mean, are we kidding here? Are we joking? And you look at Dak Prescott, he is just, he is thrown so many interceptions. So many interceptions. He's turned the ball over 11 times since Thanksgiving, guys. 11 times in the last seven weeks. He has looked flat out bad. And if anybody, if anybody watched that game against the Commanders, and I did, Dak Prescott was terrible in that game. Dallas is also, by the way, not doing any running here. They've averaged 75 rushing yards over the last two weeks. Something happened in Dallas. Boom, they hit a wall and they looked bad. Now, Tampa did win this matchup in week one, a game that I actually took Tampa in. They won 19-3. to They knocked Dak Prescott out of that game, but it didn't matter. It was already a blowout. Tampa has looked bad since then, but they absolutely stifled this Dallas offense, and this Dallas offense that has been stifled here now two weeks in a row. The Bucks' defense and their run defense is not what it once was. We remember the Bucks' run defense when they went to the Super Bowl as being absolutely impenetrable. Well, that's not it. They are 15th in yards allowed on the ground, 17th in yards per play per carry. I mean, they're dead middle of the pack, but they've gotten better as the year's gone on. It's the defense I'm not overly worried about. It's the Bucks' offense. And the Bucks' offense, let's just be honest, they've been bad. The Bucks have scored more than 23 points one time in the last eight games. They have a hard time getting to 20 points. I mean, that's just reality. They can't do it. And not it's not Brady. You know, sit back and you go, okay, Brady owns the Cowboys. He's got 7-0 lifetime record. Yeah, he does. Brady's passing yards and touchdown totals. They have gone down in Tampa. Yet, he's second in the league in yards. And he's got five game-winning drives. That you look at, you go, that's still vintage Brady. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at Tom Brady in the postseason, because that's going to be the narrative. How do you bet against Tom Brady in the postseason? Let me tell you something. I can't bring myself to do it, because Tom Brady is so much better than everybody else in the postseason. He's got 35 postseason wins. The next closest quarterback has 16. 
So the Super Bowls are great. Okay, we know 10 appearances, the next closest is 5, Super Bowl wins 7-4, Super Bowl MVPs 5-3. That's great. But in the postseason itself, he's got more than double the next closest quarterback for postseason wins. Game-winning drives in the postseason, he's got 14. Next closest has 6. Fourth quarter comebacks, he's got 9. Next closest has 5. Passing yards, 13,000. Next closest has 7,000 and change. Passing touchdowns, 86. Next closest has 45. Total touchdowns, 93. Next closest has 49. Tom Brady in the playoffs is not just the Super Bowl run. It's the playoffs. It's the playoff run. Oftentimes when there was the debate over the years, was Brady better than Montana, people would only point to the Super Bowl, and I'd say, well, what about NFC Championship game? What about AFC Championship? Do they not count? Do the playoffs not count? And Brady laps the field over and over and over again. And here's the thing. If Brady was having a bad season, I would say, okay, well, those are historical numbers. We don't have to really dig too into them too much. Brady's looked better. Over the last couple of weeks, Brady's got a game-winning drive, a game-winning late-season drive uh, against Arizona. He came back to win it, vintage Brady. And then last week, he finally found Mike Evans. Yeah, Mike Evans existed, well, two weeks ago, in your, your fantasy championships, and he was on both of my fantasy teams that won. Mike Evans finally existed. He finally found him. The Bucks are getting healthy on the offensive line, at least healthier than they have been. All of a sudden, you start to look at this, and you go, you, you can make a good case that the Bucks are in, are kind of in that incline. Dallas the last two weeks have looked terrible. Dallas last week looked absolutely atrocious. But was it a one-off? Did their minds already kind of uh, be, become set on the playoffs and where they were going to go? This is a tough game. I see a lot of Dallas money coming in, and I get it. I don't think I'm going to bet Brady, even plus the three points here. But you cannot get me to bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. It's, 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 I'd rather sit out and just watch the game. Now, if you are looking for some, something intriguing, I do believe that the Dallas Cowboys are going to try at everything in their power to reestablish the running game that was most effective because I think that Dak Prescott is struggling a little bit. And I think that Dallas looks at this game and they're going to go, okay, we're going to try to run it, which means I can see the under coming into play. Again, the Bucks have a difficulty scoring. I'm surprised the over-under sitting here at 45 where it was. I thought this was going to be about a 42, which is kind of where Baltimore was. So it's things to pay attention to here. All right, guys, that's going to do it. It should be a wild, wild card weekend. Sorry for the pun, but it really should. It should be a really good one as well. Guys, that's it. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.